Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles quickly. Let's go to the book of Philippians in chapter number 1. Book of Philippians chapter number 1. We do have some baptisms at the end. I'll be trying to be mindful of your time. And uh, I'll, just put out, I'll just put it out this way. If everybody came back 6 o'clock, I wouldn't have to preach everything I know on Sunday mornings. Uh, and the messages would be shorter. Uh, and, uh, in fact, I was just reading a book uh, or a snippet of a book. It's called Blinkist. Uh, it's like an app, and you get somebody reads books and then summarizes them, and then I read them. Uh, and, uh, and it was talking about being brief, and it's an acrostic that stands for some things. Uh, and, and so uh, I'm learning to be briefer. Uh, but uh, today may be or may not be uh, that day. Uh, Philippians in chapter number one. I'd like to invite you to stand if you would, please, uh, if you're able to. We're going to read three verses, uh, starting in verse number nine down through verse number 11, and then we'll get into things uh, quickly this morning. Uh, Apostle Paul, uh, under inspiration of God to the church at Philippi, says this in verse number nine, and he's praying for them, and he prayed a lot for uh, Christians that uh, he had seen uh, come to the Lord and uh, from churches that they had planted. And these are uh, prison epistles written uh, to the church at Ephesus and uh, church at Philippi uh, and Colossae, uh, and then a letter to uh, a man named Philemon. We preached on him uh, this last Wednesday. Uh, verse 9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless this message today. Speak to our hearts, please. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, he prayed this prayer for more knowledge uh, to, uh, for the people in these churches. In fact, we can, you don't need to turn there, but in Ephesians 1 verse 17, he says this uh, as he's praying, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We read about that in verse number 9 of the book of Philippians chapter number 1. Uh, Colossians 1, he says this in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then, of course, he, uh, to Philemon, had said that the communication of thy faith, his faith, may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, uh, in Christ Jesus. And so uh, to, uh, to kind of be a little briefer, uh, when God saved us, that wasn't the end. Uh, he didn't just give us fire insurance to keep us out of hell. And I'm thankful uh, that I'm not going to hell. One of my favorite uh, choir gospel songs uh, is with that title. They just sing it, I'm Not Going to Hell. And that's the, that's the name of the song. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that heaven is my home. But when Jesus saved me, uh, he changed me. Uh, he set me on a new course in my life. Uh, and, uh, and there's a process of sanctification uh, that is taking place putting on uh, uh, the things that God wants to be put on, putting off the things that uh, he doesn't. And there are a lot of things that God does for us. So, for example, when you get born again, uh, what happens is you are justified. There's a justification. Jesus paid for your sin debt. And when we get born again and ask Jesus Christ to save us, the Bible says that he gives us Christ's righteousness. 
uh, his righteousness is applied to my life and to your life. Uh, and so there's a lot that takes place uh, in that moment, uh, but that's one of the things that takes place. And so when, uh, when I sin, uh, let's say today I leave here and, uh, and uh, I have some road rage, uh, and uh, uh, that seems to be one of my more prevalent uh, sins uh, and uh, in uh, I, on I-5 in particular. So I have some road rage, and, uh, and I get angry, and I sin. Um, God sees the righteousness of Christ. I'm no longer under condemnation. Um, my sins, past, present, future, are, are forgiven. They're under the blood. Uh, I will not stand before God in judgment of those because Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Uh, and however, uh, we are uh, by nature sinners. We are to reckon ourselves dead unto sin and alive unto Christ, uh, but we struggle in our flesh, and God describes that as a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so we, uh, even if we want to do good or do right, uh, it's all of God because we're bent on doing wrong. So to will is present, how to perform it. The Apostle Paul says that that was what he struggled with. Uh, there's the, um, this aspect of the things I want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, I do those. And so we, we have this struggle. But we can have victory in Christ. So through the Holy Spirit of God, He can give us victory as we uh, endeavor to, to live for Him and to, to, to live a godly uh, and a righteous the Bible describes as a holy life. So godliness, godliness uh, through grace, uh, it, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness, to live uh, righteously in this world, uh, soberly, God describes it, uh, and to live for Him. Uh, but we also understand that our righteousness, the Bible describes it as filthy rags. So here's kind of the crux, and what I want you to be thinking about as I give you this outline from this passage of Scripture this morning. Um, our, the things that we do without Christ, the righteousnesses that we, that we do without Him uh, are filthy rags. Uh, everything that we do for God uh, that is good, we have to give God the credit uh, because it is God working in and through us according to uh, the Word of God uh, to bring glory to Him. In fact, the Scriptures teach us that we let our light shine uh, that men may see it, uh, and the Bible says that they'll glorify our Father, which is in heaven. So, so our um, lives in Christ saved, changed, uh, and we are to live and do righteousness, but that righteousness is to be done through Jesus Christ, not in the flesh, not carnally, and that's really the issue. The issue isn't, uh, are we supposed to do righteousness or to do good things it's the motive behind it if we're doing it in the flesh it is a work that God says will burn up if we do it through Jesus Christ uh, then uh, these are things that will last uh, here's what many Christians say um, it's not what we do uh, it's what's in our heart uh, and I know what they mean but what we have in our heart internally is done externally uh, through righteousness, practical, active righteousness that we're going to read about here uh, in just a second. And, it's, and it, by the way, it's uh, throughout your New Testament. It is something that we're supposed to do. So our, everybody agree, our righteousness is as filthy rags, all right? And, uh, and, we're, and we're not supposed to do stuff in the flesh. Would you agree? Say amen. 
Uh, and, but here's the thing. We are supposed to do righteousness. So it needs to be done the right way. And that's what Paul uh, was praying uh, that these churches would understand. Today, if I was to title this message, I would just call it Marks of Maturity, Christian Maturity. He didn't want to leave them where they were. He wanted them to grow. God says that we're to, in all of our getting, to get understanding, to get wisdom, to get knowledge. Knowledge of God is our pursuit. Unfortunately, in today's Christianity, what is being taught is the closer you get to God, the least you resemble God. The closer you get to God and you love Him and understand His love, then the less you're concerned about Him feeling ill about the things that you do. Uh, but, uh, but, but that is not a scriptural understanding. You say, well, how do you know that? Because we just read it. All right. And so we're going to read it uh, again here in a minute. So Paul's praying uh, that uh, they would have some discernment about some things and some maturity uh, in their life. And, uh, and it says that there are fruits of righteousness. And, and, and God, God says that our life is to produce fruit. Uh, when we think about uh, the fruit that God wants to see in our lives, certainly we understand that He wants to see the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, love, joy, peace. And, uh, and, uh, and all the things that God does, those are things that God wants to see as fruits uh, in our life. But Paul compares lost souls, uh, uh, winning them to Christ as bearing fruit. We read about that in Romans chapter number 1. Uh, he, in Romans chapter number 6, speaks of holiness. Uh, as, as, as bearing fruit. It's spiritual fruit in Romans 6.22. Uh, he exhorts us in Colossians 1, which we read a little bit ago, uh, that we're to be fruitful in every good work. And uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, reminds us uh, that our praise is the fruit of the lips uh, in Hebrews chapter number 13. So there are many fruits that God wants us to have, uh, but those fruits aren't invisible. They're, they are visible fruits. Let me illustrate. If you have fruit trees, we use, I don't have any right now. We used to, uh, when we lived up in Auburn, and uh, we had uh, apple tree, and there's a plum tree, I think, and uh, there were Asian pear trees, which, uh, which produce a lot, which I didn't want. I'd go and shake it just to knock them all down so I could throw them in the garbage, uh, and just lots and lots of these, these pear trees. But if you were to have a, 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 somebody come to to help you with those trees, and they look at a tree, uh, and, uh, and it has zero fruit. Let's say I have two fruit trees of the same kind next to one another. One is filled with fruit, and the other one is not, doesn't have any fruit on it at all. Uh, and they say, you know what we need to do, Mr. Reno, is we need, to, we need to just get rid of this tree. It's not bearing any fruit. What if I was to say to them, you know what? Just because you can't see fruit doesn't mean it's not there. Well, you'd think, he'd think I was a crazy person. Uh, and uh, you just don't know. I mean, this, it has lots of fruit, but it's just not visible. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's just not there. How dare you judge this tree for its lack of fruit? You follow me? It's ridiculous. But that's what we think about in Christianity. When there's no fruit, we defend it by saying uh, that, uh, that fruit is there. Uh, it's just it's fruit of the heart. The fruits that God wants us to have come from the heart, they're, but they're evidenced uh, with fruit that is external, and God says that we're supposed to bear m much of it. 
All right? So let's look at uh, what it says about this righteousness uh, here in these verses, uh, quickly here in the last uh, 10 minutes that I have, uh, and uh, fruits of righteousness. The first thing I want you to notice about righteousness is the nature of righteousness. I've already explained a little bit that, uh, that God looks at us if you're born again and he sees the righteousness of Christ. Because I've been saved and justified, I've been uh, uh, justified for my sins, uh, no longer under condemnation, uh, he sees that. And sometimes uh, the term righteousness uh, in the word of God refers to uh, the, and signifies the purity uh, of God, his nature and his work in us. God does his righteousness in us and through us. Uh, and so there are people today, and rightfully so, would say, well, the righteousness that we have is the righteousness, righteousness of God. And that would be true. Uh, it's God's righteousness in us. Uh, and, uh, and, but here's where they make the mistake. Uh, they say his righteousness is there uh, even if it's not producing any fruit. So when you say, where's the fruit? They say, how dare you question his righteousness? And that's not what we're doing. Because we're not questioning what God does. It's just that righteousness in our lives produces fruits of righteousness. Is everybody with me? Say amen. So, so we've got to figure out what the disconnect is. So sometimes the term in the Bible refers to God and signifies his purity and what he is doing. In Philippians chapter number 1, uh, and, uh, and you know this to be true as you read chapter 2 and 3 and 4, uh, as you go through, it signifies personal holiness, personal righteousness. I have positional righteousness in Christ. I'm accepted uh, and no longer, I'm accepted in the beloved, no, no longer under condemnation. But I have a practical righteousness that God tells me I'm supposed to live out uh, with my life. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and here, uh, some other verses quickly, like in 1 John, in chapter number 3, he says this, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Uh, in chapter 2, he talks about uh, he that doeth righteousness. In, in chapter 3, he says, he that doeth not righteousness. So the idea is that he who is righteous does righteousness. All right? So I am righteous, not because, because I in myself am righteous. I'm saved by grace through faith. I have the gift of righteousness through God uh, in my life. But because I am righteous, I do righteousness. All right? Uh, and that looks like, sounds like, uh, many things what the Bible says uh, in the Word of God. So Paul was praying that this church, which was a loving church, the church at Philippi, uh, they, they, one of the things that they were known for uh, was their love. Uh, but he prayed that they would abound yet more in love. Verse, verse 9, And this I pray that your love uh, may abound. Yet more and more, how? In knowledge and in all judgment. That's the nature of this righteousness. Then he begins to talk about the fruits of righteousness. It's, it produces, righteousness produces gracious fruits. They're internal uh, in the heart. They're external uh, in the life. And he says, you're supposed to be filled with them. Now, I can't get into it for sake of time, but this word judgment here, 
Uh, you know, it, one of the big, uh, I guess, catchphrases of Christianity today is, uh, is you're not the judge of me. Why are you so judgmental? Uh, why, uh, who made you uh, the judge? And uh, I, I hope uh, everybody, I mentioned this last week, I think uh, everybody who's ever told me, you're not the judge of me, that God places them in my town during the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, and uh, so I can literally judge them. Uh, and uh, and uh, he probably won't give me, I'm asking that uh, to consume it upon my own lusts. Uh, and, uh, and so I probably won't get that prayer answered. Uh, but this idea of judgment uh, is, uh, is to, to, to make a difference, a distinction. It's discernment. When we grow in love, we grow in a bound in knowledge of God and more judgment, more discernment. This is talking about maturing in our Christian life. And he says, why? Verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense uh, to the day of Christ. So uh, he says uh, that we may be sincere and without offense to approve things that are excellent. So this idea of approving uh, things that are excellent uh, has to do with, uh, and, and their, the context of it, uh, bringing things in, uh, into the light. Uh, or uh, there is a term that they called without wax. Uh, at that time, if they were making marble, for example, they would fill, in Bible times, if there was a blemish in the marble, they would fill it with wax and fill it in because it would look like marble. But then when the sun uh, would shine on the marble, it would reveal the impurities in the marble. And so many of them began to have uh, kind of disclaimers or in their contracts and things, their marble to be without wax, sincere, and without blemish uh, in, this, in the sun. And this is a refined discernment that God uh, gives every Christian as they grow and get closer. Why? That they may approve things that are excellent. Let me, uh, let me explain it this way. Um, the Bible says... Uh, that we are to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Here's what that means. Uh, it means that it isn't my job uh, as a pastor or your Sunday school teacher or whatever uh, to try to teach you uh, the difference between bad and good or why something that you're doing is something that you shouldn't be doing. It is your responsibility to prove uh, that it is excellent and that it is good. Um, it's, uh, and this is where we, we go uh, as we grow in the Lord. Uh, what happens is, and by the way, um, when you get saved and you begin to read the Bible, the whole idea between what's good and what's bad is pretty clear in the Word of God. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, there are many things that you don't even need a Bible verse to understand. This is bad and this is good, <laughs> all right? But that's not what, what God's bringing us to. He's helping us through this process as we, he's praying for them, which also is a prayer for us, uh, that we be filled with the fruits of righteousness, uh, that we be sincere without offense, that we may approve things are excellent. It's not to try to figure out between good and bad, but what's, between, but what's good and best. There's a saying that says, good is the enemy of the best. And it is true. Uh, as you grow in the Lord, it isn't about, okay, uh, here's this, show me in the Bible where it's wrong. Uh, it, that's not the process. Uh, it is, it, it's, for me, my response is, show me in the Bible that it's right. Why is this right? 
And then there are things in our life uh, that might not necessarily be wrong, uh, but the Bible says are not expedient. And he talks about uh, offenses that we would bring or being a stumbling block uh, to other people. Those are all parts of Scripture uh, and things that we can get into uh, as well. Uh, and he says you're to live so that you be sincere without wax, uh, not a hypocrite, uh, and, uh, and without offense till the day of Christ. So there are things that aren't necessarily bad, but they're, but they're not good, and they're certainly not the best. So here's the difference. When you first get saved and, and, and you're learning uh, and you're in the Word of God uh, and, uh, and you run across something and God says don't, you run across something and God says do it, uh, and, uh, and you're kind of struggling, should I this or tell me why uh, it's, it's bad. Uh, you know, I've had people say, um, show, me, show me a Bible verse that says thou shalt not smoke. And, uh, and I say it's just not in the Bible. Well, if it's not in the Bible, then I'm going to do it. Well, the Surgeon General says you shouldn't. <laughs> just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's good for you or that it's expedient to do. Um, it's really hard to, to tell somebody uh, uh, about uh, uh, how God saved you and changed you or whatever. Uh, when you have, so there's all kinds of principles that would apply uh, from our testimony uh, to the body temple. There are a lot of things. And so, so yeah, I can't take a Bible verse and say, uh, thou shalt not smoke, uh, but, is it, but is it good? Uh, and is it the best? Uh, is it something that, that you should be doing? Is it, you know, whatever? I mean, there's all kinds of things. You're spending money on it, whatever. Uh, there's all kinds of principles of stewardship that could apply. That's not what is best. That's what Christian maturity helps you uh, to do. Why? Um, the author of righteousness, the Bible says here in this passage, which is by Jesus Christ. Righteousness as God gives it to us, purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, uh, is derived from Him as Savior, but the result of this is glory and praise to God. Righteousness is to the glory and praise of God, uh, and, uh, and that is something that every single one of us should strive for. So what are these verses saying? He's saying, I'm praying for you that as you grow in love, and you abound yet more and more in knowledge, in all judgment, in more discernment, in growing. That's what love does. Grace teaches you to deny ungodliness. Biblical love teaches you to embrace the knowledge of God and who He is. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and know that closer you get to God, the more you resemble God, not the least you resemble God. The more you know about what God loves, the more you love what God loves. You increase in that knowledge, in all judgment, and you grow in discernment. That's the Bible word for being judgy. You grow in discernment beyond trying to figure out whether something is good or bad, but to prove those things that are excellent. It's proving things that are excellent in your life. It's about what God's best is for you. It might not be... Um, bad for me to do A, B, C, but is it God's best for me? Does it bring glory to God? Uh, would, uh, would I be ashamed uh, if the Lord came back in the middle of doing whatever I'm doing? Would God be pleased? Would God do it? Would, would Jesus do it? Uh, and, uh, and I just uh, feel and think that the thrice holy God of the Bible um, would not participate and a lot of the things that we offer to God as worship 
uh, in 2021. Just wouldn't do it. I just, I just couldn't imagine uh, if Jesus showed up uh, in a worship service when they're offering to God worship that's not acceptable to God, that he would just go along with it uh, because after all, all he wants, doesn't matter how you worship as long as you're sincere, uh, is a lie uh, right out of the pits of hell. There are, you, can be, you can be sincere and be absolutely wrong. Uh, and uh, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth. What is right? What does God say is right? And the more you get to know God, uh, the more holy you become, the more righteous uh, in your actions you become, uh, you do. This is all about Christian righteous deeds and doing them. He says, I want you to prove uh, in being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So being filled with fruits of righteousness uh, is a far cry from those being invisible fruits. So what's going on in here needs to show out here in the actions that we do, how we deal with one another, how we, how we go about uh, our life's goals and ambitions. Uh, it's doing righteousness uh, in, with sincerity uh, and without offense. Uh, my job as a Christian is to get to know God, draw close to Him in communion, and to live uh, humbly, graciously, soberly in this world doing works of righteousness because the Bible says, uh, he that doeth righteous is righteous even as he is righteous. So you say, Pastor, I just don't think doing righteousness uh, is in the pressure uh, that is involved in doing that is just something that I really want. You've heard the expression, quenching the Holy Spirit of God. Um, here's, here's what happens. Um, when you, when you feel guilty uh, about sin, uh, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit of God is to convict of sin. When he convicts of sin and you are living in Christian liberty to the point where you say, well, God doesn't convict me of that. Uh, or if God's bringing guilt, you say, well, that's not God making me guilty. That's the preacher making me guilty. Uh, and so you want to find a place that you don't feel guilty anymore. And, uh, and uh, maybe you find a church that, uh, that doesn't make you feel guilty or, uh, or you avoid church altogether. But when the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God is to convict of sin and we deny him his ability to do so, we're quenching the Holy Spirit of God. And that is a sin on top of it. So never fall into this trap where you don't need to do anything because God's already saved you. If, if, if the devil can convince you of that, you'll live a, a, a victoryless Christian life from now until the Lord comes back. Um, what a great tool that is of the devil where he can just get you to show up to church Sunday to Sunday, not be engaged in works of righteousness because you are resting upon the assurance of your salvation and know that when you stand before God, he's not going to condemn you to hell. So you just live the, old, uh, the, the way that you want to live uh, and, uh, and don't actually mature uh, as a Christian. Uh, when I'm talking to, to Christians and they're like, show me this, why is this bad? Why is this good? Uh, I know that I'm talking to a Christian that needs to grow. When I am talking to a Christian that's 
this trying to discern between what is, what is good and what is best and proving those things which are excellent, I know that they're moving along with their Christian life. They say, Pastor, I know this isn't a sin, uh, but how can, I, how can I be better? How can I, how can I be a, a testimony? And, and, and you know, I, know, I know that it wouldn't be wrong for me to, uh, to, uh, to say this, uh, but should I say it? There's discernment that comes from the knowledge, and it only comes from getting in this book and being in church uh, and, and praying and getting a, getting a hold of God. That's the way, that's, that's Paul's prayer, and that's my prayer for you is that you grow uh, and abound in love. The Bible says without love, everything's like a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Um, we need love. But what love does, according to this book, is the opposite of what, what mainstream Christianity teaches you that love does. God is love, and God doesn't ignore sin. Uh, love doesn't doesn't ignore it. Uh, I can love someone and be not for what they're doing or against what they're doing and still show them Christian love, but let's not buy into this idea uh, that, uh, that we can just live a life with no fruits of righteousness. So maybe you're here today and you're not saved and you say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. When he looks at me, all he sees is my filthy righteousness because I've never asked Jesus Christ to save me. That could be you today. Uh, I hope that you'll pray and ask God to forgive you and to come into your life and to save you here in a moment. But maybe here as a Christian uh, and, uh, and, and you're, just, you're just not at the place uh, where, where you are living out God's purpose and plan for your life. There are things that God wants you to do Scripturally, I'm just saying in obeying God's word, uh, that is doing righteous, uh, righteousness. Uh, but works of righteousness and the things that we do, we don't do that so God will save us. We do that because we're saved. And it just so happens that he who is righteous does righteousness. And you say, that's not me. I'm not doing righteousness. I'm not, I'm not serving him in, uh, and, uh, outside of just you know, knowing about him. And that's what I need to do. I need to commit myself to doing righteousness, fruits, abundance uh, is what God says. And, uh, and so uh, when, when you say uh, you, we can't take one Christian and another Christian and one has fruits uh, and, uh, and the one doesn't have fruits and say this one doesn't love God. Uh, it would be the same as us looking at those pear trees or apple trees or whatever uh, and saying, well, um, there's no evidence, there's no fruits, but they're there. They're there, you just can't see them. Um, it's crazy talk. And your fruits of righteousness from the heart are produced and become external fruits uh, that people see and they glorify our Father which is in heaven. So you say, that's, I'm not doing it out of love. Uh, I, 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 you know, so if I'm not doing it out of love, I just can't. Here's the thing. You've got to bear fruit. If you're saved, you'll bear fruit. That's God's will. And so you say, that's, I'm not doing that. I'm not bearing fruit, but I know I need to. Uh, we might pray that God would help us with that today. Let's all stand with our uh, heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Have the